Thanks. Um, another series, and uh, if you were with me, we finished up a series in Philippians, and we're now getting ready to jump into a series in the book of Genesis. We're not going to t- try to do Genesis the way we did Philippians, which we walked all the way through the book of Philippians, and um, we're, we're going to do uh, 13 or 14 weeks in the book of Genesis and talk about some major themes that are found in the book of Genesis. And uh, Mike and I, every time we uh, get ready to do a series, um, there's a lot of conversations that go on about uh, how much should we do and how much should we cover. And then there's a, there's a whole conversation about who gets to cover what. And uh, I was not scared. We, we had to rotate some weeks. And I was thankful I didn't say anything because Mike sets the schedule, okay? I give him the privilege of setting the schedule. And he had to change his weeks, and I get week one and two, which I really wanted. Uh, and God knew that. And, uh, and so he then complained. He changed it. By the way, you, can, you can talk to him about this. I'm just letting you know the internal workings. And he changed it, and then he complained about the fact that I get the first two weeks. And uh, I just... I'm very thankful that I do. So anyway, we're starting the book of Genesis. We're going to cover a number of topics in the book of Genesis. Um, And I get to start at the very beginning of the book of Genesis. A man observed a woman in a grocery store with her three-year-old girl uh, in her cart. And as they passed the cookie section, the little girl asked for cookies and her mother told her no. The little girl immediately began to whine and fuss. And the mother said quietly, now Monica, we have just half of the aisles left to go. Don't be upset. We won't be that much longer. Soon they came to the candy aisle and the little girl began to shout for candy. And when she, when she was told she couldn't have any, she began to cry. And the mother said, there, there, Monica, don't cry. Only two more aisles to go, and then we'll be checking out. When they got to the checkout, the little girls immediately, the little girl immediately began to clamor for gum, and she burst into a terrible tantrum upon discovering that there would be no gum purchased. The mother patiently said, Monica, We'll be through this checkout stand in five minutes and then you can go home and have a nice nap. The man followed them out into the parking lot who was observing all this and he stopped the woman to compliment her. I couldn't help noticing how patient you were with little Monica, he began. Whereupon the mother said, I'm Monica, My little girl's name is Tammy. (laughs) Have you ever heard a story thinking that it was going one way, thinking that the lesson that you were learning or the kind of truth that you were learning from the story was one thing, but when you reached the end, you realized that you had almost missed the most important point. 
right? When you realize who Monica is, it changes the entire story. It changes the entire meaning of the story. When we think about the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, this could happen to us. When we think about the book of Genesis, often we think about things like creation and the creation story. We think about the beginning of the world and animals and the universe and mankind, and we think about the story of man and the fall of man and how God planned to redeem man. And often the first few chapters of the book of Genesis are used and are seen as a way to argue for creation or creation versus evolution or an argument about the creation, the, the process of creation. Often the book of Genesis is used to prove our point. And often the book of Genesis is used for us to understand us, man. And those conversations and those thoughts are valid. And at times they are very useful and at times they're really good. And God does put truths into the book of Genesis that help us understand creation, help us understand science, help us understand who we are as mankind. But for me, when I read the book of Genesis and when I stop and I think about especially the beginning of the book of Genesis, I see something larger than those topics. And hopefully you will too. As important as all those topics are, if we miss the larger topic, we really miss the whole point. When I read the beginning and I go back and I think about the beginning of Genesis, I see God. I see God. And the next few moments, I would like to encourage us to think about how we see God in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. So the very first thought that I want to give you this morning is just this. God. God. Let's look at the first few verses of the book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the water separating the water from the water. So God made the expanse and he separated the water under the expanse from the water above and so... It was so. 
And God called the expanse sky. Evening came and morning, second day. Now we could keep reading, and I encourage you to read chapters 1 and chapter 2. And if you kept reading, you would see this, that it says God created, the Spirit of God was there. God said, God saw, God separated, God called, God said, God made, God placed, God created, God formed, God blessed, God planted, God commanded, God completed. God said it was very good at the end. And so in the middle of all of that, often when we read these verses and we get caught up in the creation story and the events that happen with creation and we get caught up in the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis, we go immediately to the, to the process of events that took place. And we go immediately to, to what God created and how God created it. And we want to spend a whole bunch of time arguing or, or coming up with the facts that are found of all the little parts and pieces of what God did. And often in doing that, we miss the fact that it was just God. And often in our minds, part of the reason why we scream by the fact and we don't spend a lot of thinking about, time thinking about it is because if you're anything like me and you sit very long, now I, I like to do this, let me just pause for a moment so you understand, you get a picture in your mind. I, I'm, I'm often on the move, I, I don't sit well, okay? But there are times like in the spring of the year when it gets warm out and the sun shines a little bit. I like to grab a chair and I'll, or, or I'll plop down on the grass somewhere. And I like to just sit in the sun and soak in the sun and just, just take a little bit of time and just look around. And just observe what is going on. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I observe what is going on, I see God's hand, right? There are things coming to life that look like they were dead. You ever notice that, right? Trees that look like they, all of a sudden, there's, there's buds that start to form and they begin to pop. And, and, and there's, there's blossoms that show up and grass that look dead turns green. And, and there's birds around that you didn't realize or they've just come back. And there's insects and those little black flies. I mean, as, as much as it irritates, but they come back. They're there. And if we stop very long, you begin to see the hand of God. You begin to see God at work. And if you stop there very long and you think very much about that, my brain goes to this. How does God do it? Oh, I know there's explanations, and I, I know there's science, and I, I know all that stuff. We, we can study it, but, but when you read this, it says, and God spoke, and there it was. And God took dust, and he formed a man, and he breathed life. Think about that for a minute. The medical world is still struggling to understand the human body. With all of our knowledge and all of our advancement in medical knowledge, and, and, and God goes, here, let me just 
put this together and then I'll breathe. And there's, there he is. He's alive. And God. And I could stop there this morning and that would be enough for us to think about. Because if you think about your own life, I don't really care your background. Not that I don't care about you. It doesn't really matter where you came from. It doesn't really matter what your education is. It doesn't really matter what your experience is. All of us come to the point where we say, and God in our lives. If you stop long enough, and God. And so if you read down chapters 1 and chapter 2, you'll find this about God. You will find that there are over 40 mentions of what God did, of how he felt, of, of, of his presence in the very beginning of the world. Know, know this, God didn't have to create anything. He was fulfilled and complete in and of himself. He didn't need anything, but for his sheer joy and pleasure, he created. It tells us something about God. It tells us something about the God that we get to relate to. It tells us something about the God who desires a relationship with those that he created, human beings. It tells us something about the person and the character of God that for the sheer joy he formed man, for the sheer joy he created, and when he was created, he looked and he said, look, I'm complete in and of myself, but this, this is good. This is good. And so often, folks, I don't know about you, but in my life, I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing and living life that I miss the goodness of God in the simplicity of the world that I live in. And chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis really is an introduction to God. This is the start of God revealing himself to us. It's the beginning of God saying, I want to paint a picture of who I am, and I'm going to do it in such a broad, think about this for a moment with me, if you would. Think of the smallest insect you can think about, and then realize that there are living creatures that are even smaller than that that you cannot see. Think about the largest creature you can think about, and then think about God creating a universe that is so many times larger than that. Think about what you can see in the evening in the sky and realize that you're only seeing a speck of what God has created. God was revealing himself to us and saying, look, I am in the minutest detail and I am in the massive expanse of what you can't understand. And I am God. And that's my thought process. That's who I am. And he's revealing himself to mankind. Have you missed him? Have you missed him? Have you been going 90 miles an hour and you've missing, you're missing every day the person of God as he's revealing himself to you? Well, when I was thinking about that, a couple of thoughts came to me. One, he's, he's one God. When this was being written, when, when Moses was writing, and, and you have to understand that polytheism, many gods, had become the norm. 
We went from God creating and Adam and Eve in the garden understanding. We're going to get into this later, but Adam and Eve got to walk with God. I mean, they knew him. They met him in the garden. They talked to him in the garden. But as man continues to expand and grow and develop and all the wonderful things that man did and some of the wrong things that man did, and we're going to talk about those as well, man begins to have a different picture of God. And all of a sudden, when, when this is, and we're talking about introducing people to God again, and this is being written, man has believed at this point that there are many gods. And so when the Spirit of God encourages this to be written, he does it in such a way that he says, look, I want you to understand that there is one God. That's it. And these verses actually help us with that. If you look at at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, And they will rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Let us. Why would God do that? Well, he's introducing us to the Godhead himself, the Trinity of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father created, and that's what Scripture tells us, that God himself created. But Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 say it this way. say, He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the invisible and the visible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him everything that, that there is is held together. And so God the Father, but we're also told that Jesus Christ the Son was there and part of creation. And he was the invisible image of God himself. And then one of the verses that we already read at the beginning of the book of of Genesis say this, now that the earth was formless, this is verse 2, and it was empty and darkness covered the surface of a watery depth and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. So God the Father is part, the Son, Jesus Christ. It says that all things were created for Him and by Him, and He's still part of creation. And the Spirit Himself was there and part of creation. Why is that important? Well, God, I told you at the very beginning, this is about God. God is revealing Himself, and from the very beginning, He reveals Himself in completeness. I am God, and this is who I am. This is who I am. God the Father, I'm God the Son, and I'm God the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that picture of his completeness, I love those verses in Colossians because they tell us this, that God did not create the world, wind it up, and let it go and say, let's see what happens. Colossians tells us this, that Jesus Christ holds all of it together. He's got it. God has it. He created it for his pleasure. He created it by his spoken word. He created it by his own mind and his own imagination. And he created it to keep it the way that he wanted it. Now, we mar that, and we're going to talk about that. We mess some things up in humanity. But God, in and of himself, did it for himself. It was about God. About God. Do you see God? God created all that we know. He made, he formed, he spoke it into existence to show us his power. 
Do you know anyone who can do that today? Now, I created something. I make things. I build things. But you know what? I have to take materials that I didn't make to create, right? That's what I have to do. You have to do the same thing. In whatever activities that you're a part of, you take something that was already formed, something that grew, something that was put together in order to create. And God created out of his own imagination. He just said, I want this and here's what it's going to be. And I spoke it into being. Do you know anybody who can do that today? By him. He has no limits. Whatever he wanted to create, he could create. So what does that mean for us right now? He said, Tim, that's great. God. Okay, I get it. You spent enough time on that. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Let me read these verses from Psalm chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the expanse proclaims the works of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There is no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming to his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The heavens declare the glory of God. What God created, he said, look, if you will just pay attention, you'll see me. If you'll just look, you'll see me. I'm there. My hands And the personality of my personality, the personality of God himself, is seen in what God has created. Another verse in Romans says it this way. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made as a result. People are without excuse. So what does it matter that we see God? It means this. It means that as human beings, as individuals living in this world, we are without excuse before God. Because God's very creation screams the existence of God. And our struggle is we get so caught up with us. And we get so caught up with what we're doing. And how we're living life. And what we're about. That we miss the very person of God. That is screaming to us every day that we take a breath. I am God. And I am here. Second thought I want you to get from this passage because time is cruising by. God reveals part of himself in mankind. Now, when he created Adam and Eve, I want to stop here for a minute so you don't miss what I'm saying. He created Adam and Eve in perfection and in the image and likeness of himself. And we're going to read that in a second. But with Adam, Adam and Eve's sin, right, that image was marred or broken or separated from God so seeing all of God in in Adam and Eve I I don't know 
I don't know how all that worked. I, I, I don't know how God did that. I don't know what, what, how that all breaks down. I'm not that smart. But he told us this in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 28. He says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image and created him in the image of God. He created them male and female and God blessed them. If you look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 to 24, you get a deeper explanation of the creation of man and the creation of woman. Okay? There's more of a breakdown. It's more detailed of how God went about doing that. But what we do know from this passage is that God created man in his image and likeness. So I want you to think about this for a minute. All of the creativity, the amazing things that man has built, all the things that we have made that are beautiful, all the abilities to design, to build, to grow, to form, to make, all of the art, all of the ability that we have is evidence not of our greatness, but of the very likeness and image of God. Think about that for a minute. I know they say, Tim, well, so what? No, think about it for a minute. We are created in the image and the likeness of God. And God, think about what he created. How creative, how imaginative was God in creation? Have you ever stopped and looked at an ant? I, when I was a kid, sorry to admit this, but I used to burn them with magnifying glass. Anybody else do that? Come on, you know you did. Yeah, okay. All right. I knew there was a couple people like me. It was a school project. We were supposed to look close, and then I realized, wow. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Have you ever done it with a bee, like looked at a bee really close? You ever looked at a plant really close and seen the, imagine, the, the mind of God at work in that? Well, all of what God, not his whole person, because we don't become God. But we're created in the likeness and image of God. And so all of the creativity, all of the stuff that's the, the image and the likeness of God, he put in us. He gave us the ability to, to be imaginative, to, to create art, to all kinds of things. He gave that to us. Now, sin has marred that, but it's found in the likeness and the image of God. And when we're creative, when we get lost in doing things that we love, that we're, we're building and we're putting together, God is revealing part of, of himself in us. We are bearers of the image of God. Now, we've perverted a lot of our abilities, haven't we? They've been perverted by sin. And if you think about your own life, there are things that cause you not to be able to fulfill what you know you should. Why? Because your sin nature gets in the way. But we are bearers of the image and the likeness of God. And by the way, if you read those verses, it says that God shows himself in both male and female when he created them in his likeness and his image. So how do we show the image of God, or how do we live it out? Well, 
Genesis 2 says, the Lord God took man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. He gave him a responsibility. He gave him skills and abilities. He gave him things to do that would bring glory to God. And I want to say to you this morning that in our work and using our abilities and being creative, we bring glory to the person of God because we're using the abilities that show the image and the likeness of God, the things that he blessed us with. So what's the takeaway this morning? Two things, two thoughts. These opening couple of chapters tell us this. God wants to be known by us. When God created, he didn't do it in, he he didn't hide what he created. He didn't put it away so nobody could see it. When God created, he did it all on display for everyone to see. For all that he created to see what he did. God wants to be known by us. He wants to reveal himself to us. He continues to reveal himself to us, not just through creation, but through what his son Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And he continues to reveal himself to us through the word of God that he penned by his Holy Spirit so that we could know who he is. God wants to reveal himself to us and he continually is seeking to do that. Are you allowing him to? Or have you blinded yourself? And you can be, you can be a picture of God to those who are living around you. You were created in his image. And you can use the skills and the gifts and the life that you've been given by God. God, through Jesus Christ, wants to redeem your life and use your life to show others who he is. He gives you an opportunity to do that. For you were saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that anyone could boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for all of us to do. You and I as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, you and I are image bearers of Jesus Christ. And in the way that we live, in what we do, in the use of our skills and our abilities, We get to point people toward Jesus Christ. We get to show them the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about God and God and God. So let me ask you this, and I'm done. Are you living out the image of God before your family, before your friends, before your co-workers? Are you pointing people toward God? Or are they seeing just you? Are you showing the likeness and the image of God? Or are they just seeing you? Father, thank you for these two chapters. Thank you for reminding us from them that it's you. 
yeah, there's all kinds of truths. There's the beginning of so many incredible thoughts that are found in these two chapters. But the bottom line is it's God. It's all about God. Thank you for revealing yourself in what you've created. And thank you for giving us an opportunity to be Christ bearers, God bearers. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to show God to others through what Christ has done by redeeming us and making us into your image and your likeness. God, help us to point people toward you this week. In your name we pray. Amen.